The U.S. Department of Energy has designated the facility for rare isotope beams at Michigan State University a U.S. Department of Energy Office of Science user facility. U.S. Secretary of Energy Dan Bruyette announced the designation at a special ceremony held at MSU in a tent adjacent to EFRIB on the 29th of September. DOE Undersecretary for Science Paul DeBar was on hand for the ceremony too and joins me on MSU today. Paul, great to have you on the program. Oh, it's great. It's great to be here. Great day. Uh, great day for Michigan and MSU and, and really the whole country in this area of science. Yes. Can you tell me first, what does it mean that EFRIB is a user facility? What does that mean? Yeah, so the federal government, us uh, and other agencies, uh, build uh, large facilities that could be used by people from all over the world. And it's open for people to not only come from MSU, uh, so local, local researchers, but from elsewhere in Michigan and elsewhere around the country and elsewhere around the world. And, uh, and so, uh, so it, it's really meant to be a, an open science available uh, facility. Um, these things are extremely expensive. Uh, so this one, if you look at the total amount contributed from all the different parties over time, about $1.2 billion. And um, so these facilities are so large that no individual university, you know, you know, not even with the giant endowments of Harvard or others, could they afford you know, facilities in the multi-billion dollar range? So um, the American taxpayer, uh, American government uh, identifies you know, big facilities that could be used by people from all over the country. Uh, and we decided to build them in places uh, and, uh, and then open them up for users. And the way people get access to it is they have to submit proposals, the pitch, right? Uh, and, and, and we select uh, every year, uh, available time to come and use the facility uh, based on uh, the scientific merit uh, and the evaluation of all those proposals. And what unique role does EFRB play in strengthening the innovation presence of the United States globally? Yeah, so, you know, the core of the Department of Energy is actually physics, the history of it. Um, you know, we are the Manhattan Project, right? So Department of Energy and the National Lab Complex predecessor before Jimmy Carter stood up DOE was the Atomic Energy Commission predecessor with that was the Manhattan Project. So the, 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 the department has this long history of our founders of Einstein and Enrico Fermi and so on. And this facility is really a derivative of that initial work from the Manhattan Project, it's nuclear physics. And this particular facility is to go uh, and produce uh, by far more than any other facility in the world, a wide range of isotopes of different elements that could be used for different purposes. Um, this facility should be able to produce about 80% of all the isotopes that we could uh, make in the world, uh, you know, from, from our estimates. So that's, that's a pretty wide amount. And, um, and so there's many uses. The most obvious one that people uh, probably have at least some connection with is dealing with, with the, the medical side and life sciences. So uh, uh, nuclear physics is better known for like nuclear power or strategic weapons. But the, uh, the isotopes that people use, for example, for nuclear stress, so when you, when you image your heart to see if you have any heart disease or uh, if you've had a heart attack, um, is Molly 99, uh, Technesium 99, a very standard isotope uh, that people get for that. 
uh, nuclear imaging, as many you know, you know, many people have to go in and get into radiology, uh, to, you know, standard standard stuff in your uh, in going into hospitals. Those isotopes, uh, that's one of the, the the clear uses of those isotopes. So this facility will be able to help uh, manufacture some of those. But almost more interestingly, there's a there's all there's a scientists who think you know, hey, we could use this isotope or that isotope to maybe deal with something else in health, a new cancer treatment. And they need, you know, they have theories of, of an isotope, but you need a facility like you have here at EFRED um, that's going to be able to produce those isotopes so the researchers can, can, can go and do trials and see if they, uh, see if they work. And Paul, you started to, to talk about it, but what are some of the expectations and hopes in scientific discovery that you look toward, forward to from EFRIB? Yeah, so, um, so, so at the basic science side, uh, understanding uh, the symmetry and the architecture of individual isotopes and molecules around the isotopes uh, and how they might be used uh, and, 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 uh, and how they're imaged and, and, and how they work is a clear part of what I would call the discovery science side, right? So, just, just, just producing them and evaluating them and understanding their kind of basic science characteristics um, is the discovery side. Uh, uh, and uh, there are many things that we will, uh, we, we will help to understand around, around uh, formation of elements in the universe. So how elements are produced during and, 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 the, and, and how they decay uh, from supernova and black hole collisions in uh, all these elements and how they're created, um, we can recreate those elements that are created around the universe and understand how those elements uh, are created and how they act that we don't have access to here today, but we're quite certain are produced in the universe. So that's the basic science side. The applied side, right, is some of the ones I just descri described. Life sciences uh, uh, is the biggest one of the, of the practical applications that we do. But there are, there are many other uses uh, for isotopes besides medical. And what do you think the impact of the effort will, will be on training the next generation of scientific leaders, Paul? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in order for us to, 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 to get people interested uh, in a field, they really want to make progress, right? And, uh, you know, this facility, you know, having the ability to produce 80% of all the isotopes ever, you know, we think will, will exist in the universe that can exist. Um, brings the opportunity for both from undergrads to grad students uh, to gather, you know, working usually for uh, uh, a tenured professor uh, either here or once again, come, come from someplace else around the world to come to MSU um, to, do, to do research on those sort of things I just described. And so uh, if you're a student uh, in dealing with uh, isotopes and biology, so you can be a bio major, um, obviously, nuclear physics is a big one. Um, there's a number of different areas um, that if you're a student and you're looking at, okay, what do I want to go study? It's really important to have the opportunity to drive new discovery uh, to, to get kids, I'm, I'm a little older, so I can say that, kids to, uh, to, to see the possibilities, right? And so the, these tools not only have the, you know, create the, the foundation to do discovery, it, it, it sucks people in in terms of their interest to come into this field uh, because they get to work with these you know, very large, 
highly interesting machines uh, with with their seniors, uh, you know, uh, professors uh, as part of uh, you know broader broader research. And and how important is it for the Office of Science that EFRIB is located in the middle of a research intensive university campus, so that the students become attracted to accelerator technology and engineering? So uh, MSU uh, is the top-ranked nuclear uh, physics uh, program in the country. Um, uh, so there's already a core group of both professors, right, who are already doing research, and not once again, not just in, in nuclear physics, but in biology and other areas that have uh, interaction with the possibilities of, uh, of isotope production uh, for their particular field. Um, and uh, so putting it, you know, uh, in, in or around where there's already a, a, uh, a, uh, a core cluster of people who are knowledgeable. And so uh, back, uh, you know, about, uh, about uh, 12 or so years ago, uh, when the Office of Science was looking at where to put this facility, uh, clearly uh, putting it where it was such a great program with their core group of students and professors already, and also, we benefited from the state's engagement, uh, both at the MSU level of support for the project in terms of uh, contributing real estate and infrastructure, as well as the state level uh, contributing outright cash. Uh, so that helped leverage the American taxpayer money. You know, that comes from all over the country coming into MSU. Uh, we certainly appreciate the MSU contribution and the, and the state contribution. And so how do you assess the outcome of the DOE Office of Science experiment to construct a user facility under a cooperative agreement rather than a contract? Yeah, so um, uh, uh, this is the largest facility in the country, user facilities, one of these large facilities. This is the largest one that's not at a national lab. Uh, so you, if you want to think about that from an MSU point of view, uh, they've, you know, MSU has almost reached national lab status in terms of, you know, having something that's $1.2 billion and kind of a core research of that scale. Uh, anyone who has the opportunity to go in the building, you will see it is uh, stunningly large uh, compared to, to any, any, any kind of normal university research building. Um, and so, uh, so to a very large degree, we're treating MSU as 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 an, uh, from a, a kind of contractual basis, to to some degree like a national lab, and so because of the scale, because of its footprint, um, the amount of money we put into it, and the scope of, of drawing people into MSU, it's well beyond any of the other investments we've done out in, in other universities uh, outside of national labs, uh, and so doing this construct, which kind of almost mimics a lot of those characteristics of a national lab, not exactly, but, but much closer than typical, uh, allows us to work together on things like evaluating who gets access. That's the user facility aspect to it, where we work together. Uh, so we have input and along with MSU together, that's what the, the C and the cooperative, um, you know, in order to open access to, uh, to people from the world. And from your roundtable discussion with manufacturers, what can you tell me about the impact of participating in FREB on their own businesses and their local economies? Yeah, so I, I, I'd start with a slightly different takeaway that I took from the roundtable, which is the pride. 
the pride, you know, and obviously it's important to build infrastructure of all types, but, you know, they were saying about how, you know, the welders and everyone who, you know, who were working together to make uh, cavities or cryo or, you know, st delivering steel and concrete, you know, participating in, 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 in a facility like that of its complexity, but more importantly, the impact, you know, once again, infrastructure of all, of all types is very important. But, you know, this is a facility that will drive science and will, you know, it will help save people's lives, right, is in a, in a very kind of highly technical, high science level. You know, uh, the, the various owners of the various businesses from around Michigan and elsewhere who we met with, you know, that, that, was, that was resounding uh, about their pride of participating in that. Secondarily, um, you know, a lot of these people... Um, you know, have businesses who not, not only do work here in Michigan, but because of the complexity of the sort of things that they built for Efred, um, that they're actually, we're actually building, uh, we need those components that we use at Efred for other giant science facilities at Stanford, at, at uh, Brookhaven, at Fermilab in Chicago, uh, can keep going. Um, and so what was really exciting was hearing from local businesses who learn skill set uh, on, on fabric, fabricating components for EFRIP that they're in discussions already doing work at Stanford, right? And so, you know, uh, you know they, I, I think that uh, it's exciting to hear that they have uh, skill set and interest and connections uh, more broadly across the country, I think in part because of the work at EFRIP. That was, that was really exciting to, to hear about that also. Yeah. And how do you view the future of construction of major scientific facilities in the shadow of COVID-19? Yeah, so um, I, you know, many people may not have noticed, but in the last uh, three and a half years or so, there's been a major bipartisan increase in R&D at the federal level. Um, we're up 32%, which on the scale of the 60,000 people at the national labs at 17 sites, uh, up 32% is material, but it's not just us. NIH was up before COVID. The National Institutes of Health and all the different subsets, they were up materially. NASA is up significantly also. So there's been a broad bipartisan interest uh, in, uh, in, in these uh, facilities, part of which is the level of the science and discovery. Part of it is uh, the impact on the, uh, the, uh, the economy uh, and uh, and uh, and people's jobs that we should be investing in R&D. Uh, some of it is international competition. Certainly a lot of dialogue from elected uh, politicians about the importance of us versus China in particular uh, on uh, some of these technical uh, points, uh, you know, competition points. And so there's been a significant amount of money coming into, uh, into, uh, into innovation at the federal level. Uh, and so, uh, although this is a wonderful day here at MSU and at Michigan, uh, we've started uh, a whole wider range of other construction projects. As we finish here, we're starting an incredibly large number all over the country at the National Lab Complex and even places like the South Pole, right? We're actually doing a new construction project. We got, we got four telescopes at the South Pole uh, imaging the Big Bang. Uh, I was just down to the South Pole last year, you know, taking a look at our four telescopes that we have down there seeing how the Big Bang, you know, uh, occurred uh, and, and how galaxies form. And so, 
just another example of uh, I think uh, investment by the American people uh, that have uh, that have impact on discovery as well as economics. And Paul, as we wrap up, is there anything important I didn't ask you that you'd like to add, or what would you like our listeners to take away really about FRIB and its potential impact on our future? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's obviously a lot of uh, there's a lot of challenges going on right now from COVID and others. We've got about 100 COVID projects at the National Lab Complex. And, uh, and obviously uh, there is a significant amount of challenge, but I, can, I, can, I, I, I approach uh, how I see the investment, whether it's in biology, whether it's in the area of nuclear physics, uh, developing the quantum internet, uh, you know, putting, uh, you know, uh, having a permanent moon base and developing steps to get to Mars, where I think the generation that's now in high school, they're going to walk on Mars. Okay, that's for certain. Okay, and so um, you know there are challenges, but I think America and the world uh, has a very interesting set of things kind of that are coming up, uh, whether it's the quantum information technologies or us getting to Mars or clean energy innovation. Uh, I think from a technology point of view. If, uh, especially for the students that are out there, um, there's some amazing things, and FRIB is is a, is absolutely a portion of that driving innovation uh, for for physics, driving innovation for healthcare, uh, and uh, is part of that overall. I think momentum that's uh, that 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 at least gets me excited, and I think gets a lot of people excited in MSU and, and elsewhere. Well, Paul, thanks so much for updating us on MSU's facility for rare isotope beams. Uh, We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. And people can learn a lot more at frib.msu.edu. And my guest has been the Department of Energy's Undersecretary for Science, Paul DeBar. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.